Welcome to On the Prowl. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of On the Prowl Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Roden. And I'm Ravy Johnson. Thank you for listening to us today. Today on the show, we have Jeffrey Wright with us. He is the co-host of Giannotto and Jeffrey from 92.9 ESPN here in Memphis, Tennessee. And also the executive producer of the Jeff Calkins show also here in Memphis, Tennessee. What's up, Jeffrey? Hey, buddy. How are you? Pretty good. How are you, man? Man, we're, I'm doing well, man. Happy to be here. Awesome. Glad to have you on. Pleasure to have you on and get to talk with the ESPN guys who do what our dream is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, it is. It's still a dream for me. Uh, I get paid to talk about sports, which I've basically been doing since I was able to string sentences together. So, uh, you know, just keep grinding each and every day, man. That's all it is. All right. That's it. All right well, first off, we wanted to get into how did you meet Mark Giannato and how did your relationship grow from there into y'all wanting to have a show on the so, radio? So Mark was at the Washington Post. And he was covering, he had been doing everything from covering uh, Virginia and Virginia Tech to high school to you know a myriad of other things. And he got to the point at the post where he just didn't ever think that, you know, he had a clear ceiling, he thought, for, for where he could go at the post. And then the Tiger basketball beat writer job came open. And I believe it came open because Jason Smith took the Jason and John show. And uh, Jason, vacated that post and so they needed a the commercial appeal needed a tiger basketball beat writer mm-hmm. and he viewed it as you know in this town like if you look at the guys that have had the tiger basketball job for the commercial appeal and it's everything from dan wolken to mike DeCourcy, uh jason obviously had it gary had it uh and it's viewed as a very good like springboard job and so he went and took that job and at the time Jeff, who was, you know, I'm, I'm his morning producer. So I'm working with him every single day. And at the time, Jeff was still the partial appeal. So we started having Mark on regularly because, you know, Tiger basketball drives a lot of the conversation in this town. And so I just kind of met him through that. And it's funny, you always think of getting your own radio show as like, hey, you pitch the station. Uh, hey, we, uh, you know, we have this idea, we have this concept. Uh, here's what we think it'll sound like. It didn't really work like that. Uh, essentially, what happened is Eric Hasseltine at the time, he his son was getting older and he was just kind of wanting to scale back and he wanted to spend more time being able to be with his, be with his boy. And he had just kind of gotten to the point where he didn't really want to do the radio show two to four anymore. And that's com- it's pretty understandable. And I'm, I was the basically the lead fill-in guy at the time. So they were trying to decide what to do with that show. And there are a lot of, a, a lot of ideas. And eventually, I found out that Mark was going to be... Uh, well, really, I found out at the same time that I was going to get the show. Because there was about a... I want to say, say, if I remember correctly... Eric left in March. I did the fill in every day. And I would want to say we started sometime around Memorial Day. So, you know, there was like a two month period where we didn't really know what was going to happen. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought I was in the driver's seat to get the show, but I also knew they didn't want me to leave Jeff's show because it's gotten to be where we've gotten that thing humming. 
And so uh, there was this weird period. And I, I found out basically on a Friday uh, that I was getting the show and then they were going to pair us with, they were going to pair Mark and I together. And Mark and I were like friendly, but I wouldn't say like, I mean, we didn't communicate regularly at all. And then, you know, it's just ever since then, now we talk to each other, not only on the air, we talk to each other every single day. So it sometimes like maybe from appearances, it'll seem like, oh, well, you know, they pitched a show and it was picked up and whatnot. That's more of like how Hollywood works, but yeah. that, that really wasn't, it's not really how local media works. Uh, you know, it's as simple as, like you guys said, uh, you want to have your own show. And really, what it boiled down to is like, I wanted my own show. I didn't really care what the details, the specifics were. I, this is what I love to do. And this is what I think I do best. Right. So, uh, you know, Mark and I, like, I, I liked Mark and I, like the, it, I didn't foresee it being a problem, but I mean, I've been able to do radio with just about anyone. I mean, you know, I look at it. I've done radio with Anthony Sane. I've done radio with Jessica Benson. Done radio with Jeff. I've done radio with Eric. Uh, I've done radio uh, with Jason and John. I mean, I, I uh, Gary. Even I mean, I, I feel like I can kind of work with anyone. So I really wasn't ever all that concerned. Um, yeah. And I also thought. You know, and, and to the to the audience, perception is kind of reality, and I think it's unfair. But I understand the reality of it. I'm viewed as not enough of a tiger guy or a tigers guy, and so they wanted to bring in Mark because he had the bona fides for you know covering the tigers and whatnot, and so it was kind of viewed to to boost that up. So you know, we're now going strong on. We're coming up on year number two, which is insane to think about. Um, but you know, it's been it's been awesome each and every day. And you know, our despite you know a pandemic, despite all the things we think about with sports and, and sports viewership right now, our shows never had better ratings. I feel like uh our vibe is very good. And you know, I also want to credit Connor Dunning for a lot of that because oftentimes you know Connor's got a Connor's got to put up with us two and he keeps the thing rolling. And Connor has the perfect temperament and the demeanor for that because, you know, oftentimes he can be kind of like, you know, the, the only child when mom and dad are fighting and mom and dad like to fight a lot. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been really cool. Like I, I wouldn't trade, I love the vibe of the show. And I, I think when I, when I look at some of my favorite radio shows or my favorite, you know, anything that's kind of in the the talk realm, if you will, whether, you know, podcasting's obviously become such a huge platform today, but, you know, I think about the Dan Patrick show. I love it's Dan and the Danettes. I think about the Adam Carolla show, you know, he's got bald Brian, he's got Gene on news. You've got the, the lackeys in the back. You've got uh, Mike Dawson, you know, and obviously Howard Stern was a, a big part of that formula, you know, Howard and Baba Booey, Robin and whatnot. But I always think about, the shows that I like the most are the ones where it feels like you're sitting in and listening to entertaining people that seem to know what they're talking about. And, you know, maybe they don't get it right every single time, but they at least entertain you. And to, and to me, I think we're now oh, almost two years into it. I think we've really gotten to like what the core of our show is. And that to me, like that's, that is, I think our biggest accomplishment thus far. 
Well, we just had our one year pod anniversary. Yes, we did. <laughs> that was on February 4th. So a lot of those names you mentioned, like Jessica Benson and Eric Hazeltine, mm-hmm. Jeff, they were all on our show. Everyone you mentioned except for Jason Smith. Yeah. And yeah, he's a white station guy too. You know, I got to Spartan up, but I mean, Jay, Jason also has a completely different schedule than all of us. Uh, you know, John just had his first kid, but yeah. you know, the rest of the people that, you know, we, we kind of talk about, like most everyone has just a completely different sch- schedule. You know, Jason's got to pick up his, his boy and whatnot, but uh, I, I believe in Jason. Jason's always one of the most helpful and encouraging people out there. So I, I, I expect you'll get him on the program sooner or later. But back to you, uh, not to not to end this this Jason talk. But um, what what would you say got you into sports? Like you had mentioned, how you um, you'd basically been talking about sports since you, since you could string up sentences. But what, yeah. what exactly was the the inspiration to get you into sports? You know, I don't even really know if like there's like a aha moment. I'm just like no one ever told me like sports. Like no one told me like football like basketball, like baseball, you know, like golf. I think obviously it would be wildly ignorant to ignore the fact that my dad, uh, my dad was a good athlete and, you know, my dad took me to everything and he loves sports. And so I'm the oldest of three boys. And typically, you know, when you have the oldest of three boys, usually the the first boy definitely always just kind of ends up whatever your dad likes, you end up liking as, mm-hmm. as well. And so, you know, that, that always put me in the position that I just, I love sports. And obviously I, I played all of them through high school and I've always, I guess, to a certain degree or another, just had the gift of gab. And I think the other big aspect for why I'm successful, it's not necessarily, you know, I think becoming a take artist and whatnot, like this, it's become some type of pejorative, like, I don't really view it like that. I view it in terms of like, you have to be able to entertain people. Yeah. Whether or not you agree with Skip Bayless, that that's beside the point. I admire some of the things he's able to come up with. Like when he finds a new way to, when he finds a new way to ripple LeBron, like part of me is just like, damn it. How does he think? Like, it's just like, it's, it's, you, you gotta tip your cap to him because, you know, I don't, I find it highly unlikely he's not in on the on the gag. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a big professional wrestling fan at my core. Like, he lives the gimmick. Like, you know what I mean? He's 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 Ric Flair. Like, eventually, like, you know, Richard Flair becomes Ric Flair, like the person. I think with Bayless, it's the same thing. But you have to be able to figure out like what works for you. And for me, what has always worked is. I've had a pretty good ability, whether it was football, basketball, or baseball. I've always been able to figure out why something happens. And I was in, I'm in a good spot now because it's a different time and place in sports media. And that, you know, even when I was growing up, you, every single game of your team was not on television. It was a big deal when your game was on television. Now, every single game, of anything that you're going to talk about, it's televised. So because of that, everyone sees the game. So you don't need to necessarily recap, okay, 
in the second quarter, it was second and eight. And, you know, Brady saw two safeties and he, you know, he ends up checking to a run and it gets busted, you know, for 80 yards and the Tigers were off and running after that. Or, you know, it was six minutes left in the, in the second half. And, you know, DeAndre Williams picked up his fourth foul. And uh, from that point, he had to go to the bench and then it took, you know, he didn't come back till three and a half minutes. You don't have to tell them what happened. They saw what happened. But yeah. What people do want to know, well, why does it happen or what did it mean? And there's an analysis part of it. So now that everyone's seeing the game and people want to know what it means and, and they want, they want some type of explanation. And fortunately for me, I don't know if it's a wiring thing. I don't know if it was an experience thing. Like while I was never, you know, I was an undersized athlete. I'm not like a, I'm not like your typical sports nerd that, you know, Oh, he can't play. You watch me throw. Like I know how to throw. Like I played quarterback. Uh, I was a point guard in basketball and then I played catcher in baseball. And while I was like, never progressed anything beyond high school, I played the positions that help you understand like where everything goes. Like the quarterback's got to know what everyone's doing on the field. Point guard usually has to know where everyone's supposed to be. Catcher, you control the entire game. So maybe it was like, that was my entire experience was always just like playing those, but I've always been able to at least come up with an explanation. Oh, what's that? Kyle Lowry headed to the Clippers. It's what it's saying. Uh, Let's see. I I saw he's in talks. I don't know if it's official. It says engaged Clippers engaged talks with Toronto for Kyle Lowry. Yeah. This is just Miami Herald. It it doesn't mean it's official, but yeah. I mean, uh, at this point, I've got all my woes. Uh, yep. I've got my. Thank you. I got, I got my notifications on. on. Yep. Yeah. I got yeah well, well, I've got like a column on TweetDeck. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm at a weird spot also with Kyle Lowry in that I guess Kyle Lowry can make maybe put the Clippers over the top, especially with LeBron's injury, with AD's injury. And, you know, you can make the argument like that. But I don't know. I, I think if Lowry were a big difference I, I maker, I personally think that Toronto would be better. I mean, there's going to have to be a, a money exchange. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't know how the contracts would, would have to line up. You could also tell yeah. me that uh, I don't did the did the Fournier. Did that go official? I think yeah, they were trying to. I couldn't yeah. remember if that went. I knew like it's it's done. It's happening. But there was the possibility they were holding off if that would be involved in some other deal. But oh, no, it's, it's a, I don't know. I, I, I think everyone. Oklahoma I think everyone's City used to the trade. 34 draft picks for the next seven years. That's insane. Yeah, they control the entire NBA draft uh, up and through the end of the decade. Sam Presti went insane this year. Well, what do you think the Grizzlies should do? Do you think they should just trade Gorgie, or do you think they should look in a Dylan Brooks deal if they can? I wouldn't do anything right now because I don't think there's anything on the market, in my opinion, that changes the Grizzlies' ceiling. If you're going to make a deal, I think at this point, it has to change the Grizzlies' ceiling. And I don't think it's likely that, you know, that the wizards are calling you and saying, Hey, you know, make us an offer for Bradley Beal. It, you know, you look at what the bulls did. Like a lot of people thought, Oh, maybe Levine would come available whatnot. He's, you know, it, I just don't think, I don't think they should make a deal just for the sake of making a deal. It honestly, you could tell me they don't even actually make a deal for Gorgie. They end up just buying him out and waving him because, you know, Gorgie's been a pretty darn good soldier. I mean, Oh yeah. I think sometimes that does get like over specific, like, you know, that gets overpraised. It's like, 
Yeah, I mean, he's still cashing a pretty big check. Like, I mean, if you want me to show up for work and that's what it costs, you know, that's what it takes for me to to get, you know, $17 million, I'll be happy to show up and and wave a towel, you know, pump some fists. But, you know, Gorgie, I think as a backup center has some value, but no one I think that would view him as a value, which is a contender. You look at most of the contenders, like they're not really going to give up anything when it does seem like the scuttlebutt around the league already is. Hey, they're going to buy him out. So I can't really see anyone giving up anything. And to me, it just seems like, you know, I could look up here in, in an hour and be completely wrong. But it just felt like to me, when you listen to a lot of what the front office said last summer and when they made, honestly, even before that, when they made the deal for Winslow, they're like, hey, it's going to be quiet up until, you know, this coming summer. And I think maybe they could get a little more active then but it just seems like to me there's not a deal to be had and i don't view this front office as a front office that is going to make a deal for the sake of just making one yeah well, i don't i don't see him trading for a player i see if they're going to trade gorgie i think it'll just be for a draft pick later on down the couple of years yeah i mean i think that's what that would be their preference i think the issue is if you if you're if you're trying to buy Gorgie, if you will, if you're the buyer at the market and you know it seems likely that they're going to buy him out anyway, why would you end up giving up the pick? You know what I mean? Like it just didn't, you know, I guess you could say, well, you give up a pick to make sure that he doesn't sign somewhere else. But I just think that's, I don't really, to me, A, you got to make salaries line up and whatnot. I do not, I do not believe the Grizzlies have a big enough trade exception or whatnot. So, you know, you look at it in terms of how a deal could get done. It just seems like to me the most likely outcome is just going to be they're going to have to end up waving and buying him out. Now, I would like to get someone like Willie Collie Stein for him if that would be able to happen, but I doubt even that could happen. No, seems unlikely to me. Yeah, me too. Well, uh, what would you say are some of the, like the biggest tips you have for us and like how to grow our on the proud podcast name around the city of Memphis? Yeah, I mean, I think the the big buzzword, at least in our business lately, is a build your brand, if you will. Um, you know, I started in podcasting, and so it's it's the same muscles as radio, but it's different because it is a little more niche, and you you can you can I think because there's no like real rules to podcasting, you can kind of make it your own whereas radio hey you've got commercials you've got it you know you're gonna have to take breaks you're gonna have to it's it's way more formatted and it doesn't mean that one way is necessarily better than the other i think the thing with with podcasting is when we grew the show that i was on when i covered Ole Miss down for arrivals the thing that like when we made it really explode the thing that i kept pressing upon uh, my two co-hosts was we have to be consistent. Like in the end, you know, it sounds really cliche and it sounds like no duh, but it's make the most entertaining podcast you can and do it consistently. And more importantly with podcasting, you have to become a part of people's routine. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be able, in my opinion, like you have to, you know, whenever you release it, it needs to be consistently within reason released on the same days so that whenever people start to try to incorporate it into their, uh, into their routine that they don't look up, you know, maybe you release your podcasts on, you know, Friday morning. 
well, you can't get into it in, you know, uh, six months down the line and someone goes to open up their podcast app and well, it's not there. And so like, you have to be, you have to figure out a way to become a part of people's routines and you have to be consistent in delivering so that you don't ever, so that you don't ever fall out of their routine. Because like, even think about it in your own life, you know, if you get to a point where maybe a podcast changes, you know, maybe they were a Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast and they decided, no, we're going to go to a Tuesday, Thursday format. Like oftentimes like something is like that should have no impact on whether or not I listen to it. But I've found in my own life, like, okay, that kind of affects like, oh, well, I have other stuff that I listen to on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I think the other, the other key that I've seen for, for people that are significant is you have to, uh, I think like the key thing is like, okay, give them a reason to listen, but that's very vague. So like more specifically, it's okay, figure out what, what you offer and, the key to me on that is be consistent on that. Maybe you, uh, maybe you understand analytics in a way that uh, you can make it not just seem like it's a bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet to everyone else. And maybe you can uh, clearly, uh, clearly articulate that and make it in a way that people can like. Oh, I get, I get what that is now. Like that's a way to offer it. Uh, you know, maybe you're funny. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I always think funny though is always, uh, I've always told people if your niche is funny, make sure other people say you're funny because the one thing that I've found about people is it does. I've met the least funny human beings on the planet and they all think they're funny. And, (laughs) And so it's, there's an element of it though, that on a human level that I understand. The only person you have to live with every moment of your life is yourself. So mm-hmm. you have to figure out ways to entertain yourself. And what entertains you, you may find like, hey, I think that's funny or like, what, like whatnot. But to me, it's, I always tell people, if you're going to go with a funny gimmick, make sure everyone else, like the, if, if people are saying, you know, what do you know about Robert? Or, you know, t- tell me about Robert. He's funny needs to be like in the first three things that would be said. If you're going to go, you go with funny. Uh, you know, maybe your gimmick is, uh, you know, you just, uh, you know how to get things to go viral. Maybe you, uh, maybe you, you, you see highlights or something that you know, and you're like, oh, we can talk about this and we can, uh, incorporate it into our show. It's to me like it's, it's, an element of understanding what you bring to the table and don't deviate from it. And if you really believe in yourself, stick with it, stick with it. Like it may not be an overnight success. It, it, you know, I I think about how long it took for me to get my own show. And, you know, I quit my first job out of college at 23, went back and like completely restarted my life. And I basically gave myself to 30 uh, before I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to go back and sell something. So it was like right around when I turned 30 that we got that we got our own show. And so, you know, it's it's sticking with it, it's being dogged. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, for the lack of sounding like uh, a Saturday morning, like positive, uh, like 
WMC show, like stay true to yourself. And because I think the one thing that seems to work one way or another, like people that are authentic and people that it seems like you're actually like, it doesn't feel like they're necessarily, uh, uh, that they're just doing something for this. Like we can kind of sniff human beings kind of have the ability to like sniff out BS. If you stay true to yourself and you deliver a good consistent product, I think there's always going to be a spot for you. So I think like in terms of what I recommend to people, those are kind of like the, the tips that I always give. It's like, you know, I don't know. I also am not the person that's like, well, what works for me is going to work for you. Like, I don't like what, work for Mark doesn't even work for me. And Mark would tell you the same thing. Like Jason, same way, John, same way, Calkins, same way, Gary, same way. Like, you know, we all do the same thing, but I think it's pretty obvious. None of us, like even on the same show, like, you know, with Mark and I, like we have very different delivery methods. We have very different um, way, like points of view and Jason and John, the same way, like, even though that's all part of the same show, like, what works for one is not necessarily going to work for the other. But what I do think the common thread is when it's rolling and when it's at its best, it's everyone is playing his game, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. It's kind of like a, a team, like you said, like the, the best time for a team is when everybody's playing their role. Everyone's exactly well oiled machine and then everything gets rolling. Yeah, you don't Our want episodes. your point guard posting up. Like you, you don't want your point guard posting up. You want him starting the offense. You want him distributing. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you want you don't want you know you don't want your big that has an ugly ass shot. You don't want him, <laughs> you know, popping out and trying to shoot fadeaway threes. Like it, it's <laughs> it's it's understanding. It's understanding. You know, I mean, you want to do a team. It's like understanding roles and and executing roles. And I think you know. To me, I found that to be helpful and successful. But again, I, I'm never going to be the type of person that tells people, well, really what you should be doing is this. It's like, I don't know. Half the time, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Like, I just <laughs> had to figure it out. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you just, you, I think the single biggest tip I would always say is go to work. Like, just like show up. Like, there's an, there is something to be said for that. Yeah. Jeffrey, is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners today? No, I, I hope uh, I hope I hope there's still your listeners after I'm on. That that would be that's what I always hope for. Anytime I go on anyone else's show, I I always just feel like, eh, eh, I hope I hope I don't run anyone off. Like there's there's an element of that. It's like and I don't I, I'm always grateful when people come on my show, and I'm always willing to go on anyone else's show. And I just it's like I just hope I don't tank it. Well, our episodes come out every Sunday night at midnight, so. We're it's not, good. They got it for the Monday morning. Yeah, go. we're not we're not live on the air yet. Hopefully, one day we'll be there. It's got, hey, it's listen as Nick Saban says, it's all a process. It is indeed. Thanks, Jeffrey. All right, guys. I'm Robert Roten. I'm Raymond Johnson. Love you guys. Peace. Don't forget to join us next time on the Prowl. Yeah, we swoops, yeah, we swoops, and we got them high blocks, and we'll shoot, and we'll shoot with the Mercedes Benz in the coop, in the coop, and this shit's so fing hard, it's on loop, it's on loop.